1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists
1: to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. Read Rated PG thirteen.
0: But right, among other things, we'll find out about the offensive linesman. And welcome to any given Wednesday, the podcast for NFL fans of all sizes and experiences. This is the podcast that still hasn't got a fancy football team, despite it being the first question anyone asks when you tell them you're into the NFL. I'm joined by Mike Pubbins. Hello, Mike. Hello, Tom. Hello, world. And it's an exciting week. This week, we're going to be looking at one of the games grandest and most romantic franchises and their best ever team certainly a team that had international appeal certainly over here in the UK we're looking at the incredible 1985 Chicago
1: Bears the Super Bowl shuffle (laughs) episode two
0: good to see you bubs they had us
1: back they had us back I am stoked Tom
0: yeah, there you go. We made the cut, mate. We made oh, the cut. Oh, come on. We're through
1: to the second round of pre-season. Come on. Yeah.
0: That's it. I'm still in pre-season, though. Still in pre-season. Oh, yeah. How you been, mate? How you been?
1: Yeah, I've been, yeah, been really good. Really good this week. I enjoyed oh. listening to our little first uh, first podcast. Yeah, it was all Thought like, Our was producer, it? Mr. X, did a fantastic job on it. Yeah, he'll remain Don't nameless. give him any credit. <laughs> Very how's good. How was your, your mother-in-law's house? All good? Yeah, I've asked her to turn down Radio 2 so that it doesn't, doesn't get on the
0: phone. It's all rock and roll here, mate. I mean, it's, all, fair, it's all rock and roll.
1: Fair play to her for having a dartboard in the spare room.
0: That's, that's what I brought with the house. That was the condition. I'm bringing my dartboard. <laughs> I mean, no one can see that, but... Yeah. yeah, I'm on my way to a Bubbins bar, basically. It's the first kind of step on the way to a Bubbins bar. Chip away, pal. Yeah, and then one day, hopefully, I'll be able to be recording
1: in the bar with you, mate. Oh, that would be an absolute dream, wouldn't it?
0: That's the dream. So speaking of Bobbin's Bar then, you're going to give us a virtual guide through the bar episode by episode. So uh, mm. what what bit of NFL kind of memorabilia in the bar are you bringing to the show today? I
1: really had a tough time narrowing it down this week because I've got a few things that are relevant to what we're going to talk about. Great, great. But what? But I can keep those for other episodes. Uh, in, a, in a Venn diagram, there's, there's crossover. But um, what I have got that is very specific to the Bears, this era of the Bears we're going to talk about later, is, which you'll see when you come to the bar, behind the bar there is a signed photograph of Mr. Mike Ditka. Oh, wow. With a small piece of wallpaper still stuck to the back of the photograph, where my friend Steve uh, ripped it off a restaurant wall because he knew I was a big NFL fan, and essentially did a runner and got chased and then sent me this signed Ditka photograph with bits of wallpaper hanging off the back of it, which he stole from a restaurant.
0: From a restaurant in what was a restaurant in Cardiff? Or? Well, I don't
1: want to narrow it down too much, Tom. Uh, it was in London and it was a sports themed restaurant owned by a ex rugby player in the 1990s. That's all I'm prepared to that's
0: say. That's that's narrowing it down, Mike. That is narrowing it down. His Did first name get...
1: was Victor, and his second name was Abogu. And, <laughs> and that's all I'll say about it. That is all I will say.
0: Imagine if Victor's <laughs> listening now. Having years of search for the guy who, who, who stole his Ditka photo. And now he's suddenly like, get in the car.
1: <laughs> he's, a big he... lad. he's a big lad too. Isn't he? Yeah, you don't want to be upsetting that man. I mean, I didn't see it. I just received stolen goods.
0: So hang on. Does the signed photo give like a... Thanks for the thanks for the great time. Kind of does give a review.
1: Cheers, Victor. Take <laughs> care, Mike Ditka.
0: <laughs> You've effectively stolen Ditka's TripAdvisor review for Bobbins Bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, pre-internet TripAdvisor review gone. <laughs> amazing, amazing. But it's got a, it's got a good home here.
0: It's, it's amongst friends. I can imagine Dick has a nightmare to eat next to in a restaurant, but we'll, we'll get on to we'll that when we start talking about the bears. Yeah, put a cigar on, mate, will you? Oh, man. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> Before we crack into the 85 Bears, every episode I'm going to bring a different question to Bobbins, a question that I'm too embarrassed to ask my NFL mates, because I think, you know, I think a lot of listeners out there will be in the same boat where you kind of don't quite understand something you're not sure if it's okay to ask. Go. It occurred to me that one of my favourite things to hear when I'm watching the football is um, when the commentator says, play action. I always think, oh, yes, please. Play action. Sounds great. I just thought it was like a turn of a phrase. And what I think it means is like, here we go. Something's happening. Play action. But (laughs) that's not what it means,
1: is it? (laughs) No, it's not play, comma, action, exclamation mark. It's a play action. Yeah. So So play action, pass. What does play action mean? (laughs) It just means you fake a running play. And then you throw. So you, you try to get the defence to follow the running back with the ball. Leave a bit of space in the defence slash defence yeah, for Dif- the receiver. OK. And then the, the quarterback throws to the receiver. So that's what he's trying to... That's all the play-action passes. It's a pass after a fake run, yeah.
0: I mean, it just sounds cool, right? <laughs> it it just all sounds like, cool, though, You just it? like to hear it, don't you? Play-action. Yes, please.
1: I see you as... As a as a child that I that I have a lot of time for that I, that I like a lot, on I? Yeah. yeah,
0: I like this. Okay,
1: like almost like obviously the age difference doesn't work completely, <laughs> but I would have met your maybe she was divorced. I'd met your mum. She's a bit older than me, but she's attractive. Hang on, you you are already sort of in your late twenties, but I've sort of adopted you what? ten years ago. So even though you know you're now in your thirties, I'm on. in my forties. You shame your mum.
0: Is that where you're going with that?
1: No, but I mean that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're, you're shaking like, my mom. You're... <laughs> okay, okay. You're okay. my favorite. You're my favorite step. I'm my only stepson. Yeah. Okay. And Is I'm okay? still
0: not sure. Sh- I'm not, I'm still not sure about you. Well, your mum's bang up for it. I'm, I'm saying to my mates, look, listen. The house stinks of his aftershave. It's everywhere.
1: I can't move for brute thirty-three.
0: <laughs> but I tell you what, my mom seems happy. She's uh... always she's always <laughs> whistling at breakfast. I can't argue with that. She says, I know
1: what a woman wants, mate, and I always have to. It's usually me gone before breakfast. <laughs> wow. Well, on that... <laughs> on that bombshell. Oh, yeah, on that
0: bombshell. Um, and Before we get into this week's subject as well, please do keep on sending in. Uh, we're looking for the tenuous and obscure reasons... Why you decided to follow the team that you now follow? Because come on, we're all looking for a route in to NFL. We're all looking for a good reason to back the team that we're backing. Uh so please be able to send in those uh send in those reasons. Why did you end up with the Cleveland Browns? You poor sod. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. The only um, team without a logo on the helmet, Tom, of course. I mean, I quite like that, I must admit. There's something quite pure about it, isn't there? Named after
1: their uh, one of their original owners. It's not a great name, is it? Let's be honest. It's, I mean, you know, they could have. Been, yeah, if he was a cool name, it'd have been all right. Like I used to, I used to teach a kid called Zach Paradise. If, no they called, way. if they were called like Cleveland Paradise, fair enough.
0: What It's para- after your
1: coach, and his name's Paul Brown. He's <laughs> amazingly. Uh, Cleveland Paradise is... is a bit of an oxymoron, though, isn't it? You
0: can't. I don't think you could describe Cleveland as a paradise. <laughs>
1: If you're in Ohio listening to this, I apologise for my <laughs> co-presenter. What did Zach Paradise go on to do, man? I don't know. I, t- I taught him in, uh, when I was teaching PE in Bath.
0: Great name, though, isn't it? God, I bet that guy gets job interviews. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't read the rest of the CV when Zach Paradise has applied for the job, Zach Paradise rocks up. He's got the job, isn't eh? <laughs> he? You're certainly going to chat to the lad. God, what a head start in life, Zach Paradise. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> love that. It's so cool. There's something else, okay. So, did you go to school with a kid whose name sounds like they should have played in the NFL? Or Zach Paradise. (laughs) Yeah, or or are you Zach Paradise? (laughs) If you are, get in touch And who do you support these days in the NFL. (laughs) Uh, It's time to touch base with Mr. Bubbins again.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And that's not why I left.
0: (laughs) Hang on. Did you you get familiar with Zach Paradise's mum? Mrs. Paradise, if you're listening, get in touch.
1: Paradise Lost.
0: (laughs) Let's crack into today's topic, today's team of choice. Oh, it's a great choice as well. One of the greatest teams in the history of the NFL. Some would say the greatest. Maybe that's Mm. something we could debate today. It is the 1985
1: Bears. Superb. Superb. And not just superb, we'll get to this later on I'm sure Tom but a superb team that I saw play within sort of 12 months of this happening. So it was, for me it was absolute nirvana as a kid to be able to go to Wembley and see this team but we'll talk about the Wembley game another time but yeah, that that eighty-five Chicago Bears side were absolutely fantastic.
0: So, I mean, as a Packers fan, I know obviously there's this rivalry against mm. the Bears, but it, I, I I've never felt that because there's such a romantic there's there's such a romantic franchise. There's such a beautiful team. I think mm. the Bears. There's something so wonderful about their connection to the city. Uh, it's just like it is one of the great NFL teams, isn't it? The Chicago Bears.
1: Well, they—I mean—they're one of the original teams so yeah. with, with the Packers. So I mean, I, that rivalry's gone on for a hundred years now, you know, and um, like the whole George Haler story, the whole—I the, love Soldier Field as a stadium. It's I a love day. Chicago as a city. Yeah, you know, that rival, as an NFC North fan as it is now, obviously it was Central back in the day. I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent about the the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I, I love. Them. I do. I got, I've got a, I've got a sneaky love of the Chicago Bears, which Absolutely. I keep to myself at a Packers gatherings. But I mean, you can't not like the Bears, can you? That's
0: exactly how I feel. That's exactly. And they're blue how I
1: feel. collar, and they're, and they they play in the freezing cold. They're very similar to Green Bay in a lot of ways. Yeah, and there is something. There is
0: nothing like football in the cold. Right, like oh. it's my it's my favorite type of football. And I think like we will have to do an episode on like the ice ball and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. when you're seeing that, like
1: the steam coming out of the helmets in the huddle when they're all there, just this big fountain of steam coming out. Yeah, they I just look like
0: that. just like like mythical creatures. It's oh, yeah, they look
1: right down the line at the ball, and you see the two the two lines of linemen just snorting, just steam coming out of oh, the. Yeah, beautiful.
0: That's it. I like that image of. Well, that image of Walter Payton on the sideline with, like, the big warm coat over him, yeah. making, his, making him seem huge and the steam billowing out. There's nothing like it. Um, yeah, they are. They're, 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 there is something brilliant about the Bears. Um, and, and, and obviously, like, from a, from a British point of view, the Chicago Bears team of 1985 were one of the first kind of international teams where, Definitely. like, it kind of went all the way around the world. And as a kid, I that was like you know this was when I was I was five six six seven kind of thing in the aftermath of this, and I can remember the fridge as that's mm. the first American footballer I'd ever heard of. You know, was William Perry, and yeah, it was like oh for British fans. It's just yeah, and that's like you know I think that was kind of in terms of the game growing over here. This team are a huge part of
1: that. Oh, massive! You think of it, so it had been going on Channel Four for two or three years. They got the championship game the year before, in '84, and then in '85, they have this brilliant team full of superstars, fantastic defense, uh, win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean they they were in, in the days before you could go online and buy stuff. If, if you go to Woolworths or my mother, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, <laughs> oh yeah, you could only buy like you could buy Washington Redskins caps, Chicago Bears caps and Dallas Cowboys caps and that was it that was the you big know, three they were one of the big three you might get a friend come back from Florida with the Miami Dolphins stuff but you saw a lot of Bears things around yeah in the mid 80s if, if you like the NFL they were one of the they were one of the teams in the 80s yeah absolutely first down hey Fridge how you doing I see you're drinking coke
0: second down yeah yeah I'll bet you really like that great refreshing taste huh
1: third down well after all Coke is light and smooth, easy drinking. Fourth down. You really look like you're enjoying yourself. First down. Uh, First down? Instant replay. Keep plenty of Coke in the refrigerator.
0: Let's start with the coach because um, it's, I mean, he's a hell of a character. Mike Ditka um, is kind of everything you want from an NFL coach. He's kind of like your you gum chewing, drink driving, cigar chomping <laughs> bastard of a man,
1: isn't it? <laughs> he was a really, you'd be unsurprised to hear this, he was a really tough player. Oh, like, you can tell, like, yeah. can't you? I mean, really tough player in a really tough Chicago team. And then, yes, yeah, so then he, he ends up getting into coaching uh, and learns under the one of the best. Goes to the, the Cowboys with Tom Landry. Oh. I sort of learns his trade at a little landry, then gets the job. I love I watched America's Game, which again is a is a brilliant resource if you're a if you're a football fan from anywhere that loves the game. America's Game about that season. Where he says to George Stanley Halas, who's the um, the bear's owner. And that family have been owners for years and years. Papa and years. Bear, yeah. Papa, Papa Bear. Bear, yeah. And that's why they got the G S H on the shirt still, on the sleeves. Yeah, he just says, What's your philosophy? But he knew him as a player as well. He said, You know my philosophy. My my philosophy is to Kick the other team's ass, the same as yours. <laughs> He's like, you got the job. You know, you, you're in. So I, the, just just from the start there, just to have that, and then to get those players in early doors and say, and I love this when this happens in sport, when predictions come true. And he says, if you believe in me and stand with me, I'll take you to the dance in three years. Oh, like, oh just call to the dance. Let's go to the
0: dance, mate. I
1: love that. Oh, just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's weird with with a coach. It'd be weird with Buddy Ryan, um, where you want to build that that family almost, but you've you've, you've got to cut people as well. That's, it, there's a bit when he when he first starts with the team, gets them all sat down, and says, "I wish I could say welcome everybody, but I've seen the game films, and some of you are not going to be here very long." <laughs> you know, and he meant it. But yeah. he, he meant it. He said, "You know, if, if we if we're going to be successful, there's people that we need to get rid of." And he did it, and you got to do that.
0: Absolutely. The only thing I was quite disappointed with with Ditka was that played under George Halas and then learned under Tom Landry, hmm. two two of the great hat wearers in in like American football coaches. You see those like they've got those hats. Yeah. But then Ditka doesn't carry that on, no. and it's like I think that's like it's a real loss
1: to the NFL coach those because it's something about of those hats. Well, <laughs> when, on a on a broader point, when they brought in. That sort of corporate f- across the whole league. So what all the teams got the same jersey manufacturers, yeah. the same yeah, pants yeah, yeah. manufacturers. It was always licensed by the league, but now they've got to be the same. Uh, co- and th- and they stop coaches wearing their own clothes on the sideline. So they've got to wear the hoodies and the and the or the golf shirts. I miss a Tom Landry in a suit. I miss a yeah. I miss a Hank Stram. I miss a I miss a Mike Ditka in a in a in a vest with a tie. The vest is you know, it, it's such a good look. Oh, it's a wicked look, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wouldn't be in anything else, would he? Yeah, but a hat. You're, you're right there, mate. I've been watching a lot of Kojak lately. Um, my, my my trainer regime these days, i found the way to train. I've, I've, oh, yeah. Since I stopped playing rugby, my training w- went to rat shit, but I'm back on the scene now. Right, yeah. Because no. every morning, before I do anything else, yeah, I put a Kojak on, and oh. I go on the exercise bike for a whole Kojak. You do the Kojak diet? Kojak diet, I'm on the K-Plan. Okay. It's uh, sixty minutes every morning watching Kojak, but he's got the same hat as Tom Landry. There you go, and Papa Bear. Yeah. Oh, but so, I see. I see my Ditka in like a Baker Boy, one of those big sort of Baker Boy hats, proper Chicago style. You know? Yeah, I could see. Peaky it. blinders, and there's something about the because uh, I've, I've just been watching the Last Dance with uh, the Chicago
0: Bulls, and cigars feature very prominently. Yeah. And uh, Dick is a fantastic, fantastic cigar smoker. <laughs> so oh. good
1: at it. I because I've had a bit of a a thing for cigars for a while, right? But I don't smoke. Yeah. So every year I buy a big cigar from the cigar shop in in Cardiff called the the Bear Shop. being you know, over like a hundred years. I like I I I, <laughs> I never smoke it. Well, that's the problem. I, I pay like fifty eight pounds for one cigar. Yeah and then I I just leave it in my pocket and just never get smoked
0: yeah it's kind of like, I look at cigars like a, like I look at books. Like, it feels good to buy a big one, but you're not going to get through it. <laughs> you, know, you know, it just feels very impressive you to buy it. You just get
1: bored after the first Stick three hours, isn't it?
0: yeah. It absolutely ruins an evening trying to smoke a cigar. <laughs> you think, oh, here we go, we're with the lads. I'll get come a cigar on the go. Like, you're still outside two hours later. You, of you're of coming f- out, Tom, give me on, a second. On, hang on, lads, go on. It's like, come back in, Barry, you're missing, the, been, 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 you know, I, like, the I wedding I've only got six inches to go. <laughs> You've missed the whole bloody wedding evening, do you, mate? You're like, yeah, I know, mate. I've got give myself asthma.
1: <laughs> I bought a pipe, right, because I was into my Charles Bronson stuff as well. I, thought, I think a pipe's a thing for a 70s aficionado. <laughs> and I gig away a lot. You know what it's like when you gig, and you quite often yeah. end up in a hotel on your own. I said, I'll got the beer and I'll sit there with my pipe, do a bit of writing, like a real twat. <laughs> so I bought a pipe and tobacco from the same place. <laughs> and, uh, God, the tobacco smelled. You know what? Oh, Other stinks. people's pipes... Smell lovely, though, I think. that Someone else's pipe always smells nice.
0: Oh, you like the like, smell of but... other people's
1: pipes, do you? <laughs> I can't get enough of it. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not a court in the land that's not me doing that. Everyone needs a hobby, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is again. Pipe sniffer's back. <laughs> oh, it's not their nickname. I ended up with a shit one by mistake. P- pipe sniffer. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> the Dude. final thing I thought about Ditka that I found really uh, quite funny was that for such a kind of hard-nosed bastard kind of thing, mm. uh, you know, you know, tough and but like all that kind of stuff, there's something very sweet about a man writing a letter. You know, like the story of like he wrote a letter 13 years previous saying, "One, I'm not ready yet, but one day I want to coach the Bears." Yeah, that's like. There's something very sweet about that. Like, actually, deep down, this is kind of like a young guy. Mm. Young, you know, he was a young guy and that was his dream. And when you're watching this guy,
1: for all of his facade of being this tough-nosed bastard,
0: he's a man who's living his
1: absolute dream. Oh, yeah. When they were uh, looking for the head coach and he got the job, and a lot of people were surprised he got the job. A lot of the players weren't happy about it because they loved Buddy Ryan. He'd been there for five years. They had, they had a really good defence. And Buddy Ryan thought he, he would get the nod for the job as well and didn't. And he said, well, obviously Buddy thought it should be his job. He said, but I don't care about that. This is my dream. I wasn't, I wasn't letting anybody, including Buddy Ryan, get in the way of that. Yeah. It was like a star that shone so brightly for the, that 12 months, that year in 85, because it was just coming to the, the peak of those two just at the end just could not work with each other. Yeah. Dicker says, very frankly, how many Super Bowls did I win after Buddy left? None. How many did he win without me? None. He said, so maybe we were better together, but they just couldn't work together. That's we're, it. Like, but that's sport again though, isn't it? I love it.
0: It is. The, it's, the, it's that amazing alchemy of like, it feels like the, like this kind of Lennon McCartney type thing where, that friction, the chemistry, them pushing and pulling against each other. Like it says they had a, you know, they had a fight against the, you yeah. know, the, the Dolphins game, the one loss. They had a fight in the, in the dress rooms had to be pulled apart. And, and there's something really emotional when they won the Super Bowl of like, when it says like two coaches were carried off the field mm. and like you see that and they're both up on their shoulders and they're both carried off the field. Oh, absolute goosebumps for that.
1: And I like, know. And, and, and you know,
0: there's some clips of, um, you know, cause Buddy Ryan's passed on now, hasn't he? And, uh, that I watched some clips online of um, he'd written a letter before he died to to his defence and they asked the guys to kind of read the letter uh, and to a man, they're all in tears, you know, like Mike Singletary all those guys, they're like just they can't get through the letter because of how much that man meant to them and I think that's what's so special about this team is Buddy Ryan as a defence coach was like, this was his masterpiece, you know, this mm. was this was his work of art season really
1: well, that forty-six defense that he that he built towards for for you know for five or six years just hit the ground at one hundred miles an hour that season, and it was unstoppable. It was unblockable. They talked about it. They said it's it's become synonymous with tremendous defense. If you go to any football fan in the states or the UK and say forty-six defense, they all know it's Buddy Ryan. They all know it's the Bears. They all know it's eighty-five. They all know it's beat the Patriots forty-six ten. They know all those things. Yeah, and it was revolutionary. And, and We've talked before in the last part about the NFL is so highly coached that eventually things catch up. But for that one season, before people learned how they could deal with that, for that one season, that was just an unplayable defence. Yeah, amazing.
0: And, and and proper box office to watch. Like, I'll tell you what it really made me realise, looking back at this season, was like, Obviously, in this country, when we're talking about like soccer, football, and you think about defensive teams, it is you think about boring football. You think about pl- when coaches mm. set up defensively. That's a
1: good point, that is. You know,
0: you think, oh, well, it was a defensive team, so you think, okay, boring. But it's so different at the NFL because this this is a box office defense, and they are so exciting to watch. It is absolutely electric, you know. And when you're looking at, the, I mean, like, you look at the Super Bowl performance, but you're watching these games, and they are just Oh, it's so exciting to watch. They are deadly and absolutely brutal. You know, they're just unstoppable.
1: Mate, that is a great point, right? That is a great point that defensive football in the NFL is exciting or can be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially the way they played us. They said Buddy Ryan looked at it and said, well, they need a quarterback to be operating. Without a quarterback, they they haven't got an offence. So Singletary says our whole defense was built on pressure in the quarterback. And they were just terrorized quarterbacks for 60 minutes. I mean, it was, yeah. I I, I haven't got to see diving touchdowns and, and, and 50-yard runs. If I'm seeing sacks and massive hits on the line of scrimmage and those those open field hits they put on people, bloody hell. Oh, man. I won't mention it too much now because I'm sure we'll cover the, the early Wembley games in another podcast. But I was with my dad and two of his mates and my mate, Craig Softley, that we mentioned, right? Yeah. I was probably... F- they only played the starters in the first quarter of the American Bowl, right? But I was probably about 30 yards away from Singletary when he put a hit on one of the Cowboys. And I've never forgotten the sound of it. Amazing. He, he hit him with his head and his chest. I was I was, like, I, was like a 14-year-old kid, and I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was electric, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that defence was something else.
0: Amazing to hear that for a three-game stretch, the defence scored more points than they gave up. It's just like, it's it's sensational stuff.
1: They beat the Giants 21-0 in the first round of the playoffs. They beat the Rams 24-0. Now, that Rams team, Eric Dickerson, it was it was around that time that he set the single-season rushing record. He rushed for like 2,100 yards in a season, 2,105, I think. They were, they were running all over the place, 200-yard games regularly on, on the ground, you know, would just dominate defences with the run. In that game, in the NFC Championship game in 85. I think they said they'd made. I wrote it down so much I couldn't believe it. What it was, oh, I was gone now. But it, in the whole game, they made forty-six yards rushing. <laughs>
0: That's amazing! Absolutely amazing.
1: Forty-six yards. So, and and, and Dickerson fumbled twice because they thought, well, we'll key on the quarterback, and then we'll who's your other star player? Eric Dickerson. We'll take we'll take him out as well.
0: We'll just take him out.
1: You know, fabulous team to watch. Absolutely, yeah. and. and Dicker uses a great line at the end, or near the end, in, in the in the in the DVD that I saw, DVD old school. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> where he said, "I've never worked with, with such a bunch of characters who had such character." So they weren't just, it wasn't just the fridge and you know wacky Jim McMahon with his headbands and his shades and you know, I mean, they 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 were a fun team, but they were really honest and hardworking and they played for each other. And I thought the McMahon stuff was. I'd forgotten that he was—he was as small as he is. He's, not, he's quite an undersized player, Jim McMahon.
0: Yeah, we should talk about Jim McMahon. Cause he was the quarterback. Um, yeah. And for the second week running, we're talking about a player who was uh, half blind. We did like you know like we yeah, did. Yeah, true. It. Manny, so Manny like, Fernandez, yeah. Manny Fernandez, but this is this is a quarterback who's half blind. It's to be fair, Manny Fernandez
1: was half blind in each eye. Whereas McMahon's just nearly totally blind in one eye. I mean, the the maths is the same.
0: An incredible story of why he was so blind. Like, I was expecting it to be, okay. someone must have stuck a thumb in his eye when he was playing at college or something. It's because when he was a kid, he couldn't undo his gun holster because he'd been playing cowboys and Indians with his brothers. So he was trying to undo it with a fork and he slips and puts the fork in his eye. I know. Absolutely insane. I thought he
1: was going to say his brother shot him in the eye. Yeah,
0: no. Who's going to go somewhere like that? Or a bow and arrow that went astray. And it was like, no, no, no. I just stuck a fork in my eye.
1: I've got a mate who's blind in one eye, virtually blind in one eye. Because we were in uh, in Calgary playing rugby. Yeah. His name's Steve Harris, right? And uh, he was a little wind-up merchant, Scrum half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all like and he was... One of the boys there, Simon, is a, is a crack shot. Anytime you do, like, certain sort of hunting games or anything, I mean, or... Um, Target shooting. He's, he's the man, right? And he kept. <laughs> they were not paintballing, so Simon's paintballing. Steve was in the bar, right? Steve gets his drink on a little bit and starts throwing stones at Simon, who's playing. who's inside the barrier, right? Yeah. Simon turns around and shouts to him, "If you throw another stone at me, I'll shoot you in the eye." Right. Yeah. So he throws another stone at it, which misses, and he just picks this air, this air-powered paintball gun up. Bang! From fifty yards away, and shoots him in the eye. Shoots him in the eye, just like he promised he would. To be fair,
0: oh, he did promise him, and uh, he's a man of his word.
1: He's, and they're good mates. They're 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 virtually best friends. Yeah. So I I thought that Jim McMahon was going to say my brother shot me in the eye, but it was, yeah. After we finished playing, I couldn't get my holster off, so I forked myself in the eye.
0: Can I ask? Are they still good friends?
1: Yeah, still mates. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's insane.
1: <laughs> well, no. I mean, it was. He didn't. Yeah, he did mean to shoot me the eye.
0: He did. He told him he was, and then he did.
1: <laughs> I was going to say he didn't mean to do, but yeah, he did mean to do.
0: Jim McMahon, this, this the punky QB. This is like, I think like oh, last week when we were doing the Dolphins, it was like, it was, a t- it was a great because it was like the team of the 70s and they looked like 70s.
1: Football players. Yeah. Jim
0: McMahon is kind of like he's exactly what you want from an '80s quarterback. Like he's he like looks, Cindy
1: Lauper in pads isn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I could never work out with him whether he's an extremely good-looking man or an extremely ugly man. Like he kind of, he's kind of got both looks about him. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what '80s good looks were. I think.
1: What was the um, the baseball film out of the time with Charlie Sheen when he's the Wild Thing?
0: Yes, yes, what yes. What's that film called?
1: Simon, Low That producer, he'll, he'll come on in a second and tell us. Major League, yeah. With uh, with Charlie Sheen, he was always that sort of quarterback. Wasn't he? I think he, he really played up to it as well. So he had the yeah. spiky hair, the headbands, the shades. It turns out were because he'd forked himself in the eye. I, I just thought, what...
0: <laughs> yeah, I it looked like... like someone trying to give himself a personality, but it turns out he stuck a fork in his eye. <laughs> like, he, he's, it's funny because you don't know what came first: is he got the kind of personality of a guy who always wears shades indoors, or does he? Mm. You know, but he does have to wear yeah. shades indoors. Yeah. Did that give him that
1: personality? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not convinced. It's like Bono, when Bono says he's going to wear shades.
0: Yeah, I know exactly. Bollocks. <laughs> yeah, but be fair to him, he did stick a fork in his eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, What Why we stick a fucking Bono's on?
0: <laughs> That's why they call the Edge the Edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, what, what's good about Jim McMahon, like is he's got the personality. Like you, just, you know, when you talk about the amount of personalities in this team, he's like. He's kind of got the personality to be their quarterback, you know. My favourite thing they said about him is he's a guy who never slid feet first. You know, like I love a, that. A quarterback who never slides feet first, that is what you want to hear, isn't it?
1: But he also went to Brigham Young. So he's—he's he's a. they would have assumed, because he went to the, uh, Brigham Young University, which is in Utah, which is the big Mormon state, and it's yeah. the big Mormon university. And they said, we thought we were getting this milk-drinking Mormon boy. And he just gets out of the limousine from the airport drinking a can of beer. We thought, here we go. Yeah, here we go. And he was just—I loved him. I love McMahon. He, he had a big run in with uh, Pete Rozelle because he used to wear those, he used to wear that headband, and then he started getting his sponsors. I think it was—I can't remember—it was Nike or Adidas or one of them, or Kangaroos, or one of them, I can't remember. On the headband, and Rozelle basically came out and said players can't do that; they can't make individual um, endorsement deals or sponsorship deals. So from the rest of the season, he just wore a headband with Rozelle on it, just the name <laughs> of the, just the name of the commissioner for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's really good. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> that
0: great.
1: Jim McMahon. Jim, I see you've added yet another headband. When is the supply exhausted?
0: I'll tell you what, I had a bunch of headbands sent to me this week, and uh, i sorry I couldn't wear them all, but you know, I appreciate everything that uh, the fans did for me this week. You know, there was a lot of controversy and stuff, but uh, I tried to put it out of my mind and let us let us play. And I'll tell you what, uh, this team is,
1: is one hell of a football team. I'm, I'm proud to be associated with these guys in this room. He was tough as well. I mean, this is this is what Dick is yeah. saying. McMahon was a was a joker, and I liked to drink, like to smoke, you know, like everything else. But when it counted, he did the business, you know. And he, and he wasn't a big man. He was tough. That that game when he comes off the bench with a really bad—he's been out, he'd been in hospital with a, with a with back spasm. Yeah, I can't remember which game that was in. It Even, was the Viking Miracle. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: which like you know the players say, like really kick started the season, you know, because they, they it wasn't they weren't flying from the start
1: they were like 24 points down or something yeah. or maybe more yeah. that. they talk about Patrick Mahomes these days on the, the comeback so that season was yeah like you said then was built on that Viking miracle so they're down by four scores and McMahon says to Dicker, let me in he yeah. says well he's been in hospital you know your back's knackered he said I want to play and he comes in and just lights it up and they win the game and that's what you need and he and he, and he, and he, he quietly sort of brushes away the fact he took a couple of painkillers and he couldn't he was a bit shaky at first you're not playing snooker with a bad back. No. You're playing NFL football at the quarterback position with a bad back.
0: Yeah, proper. My, my favourite thing when it says what everyone's up to now, the thing that, that Jim McMahon had put forward that he does now is that nowadays he plays golf in his bare feet. I thought, Of course he does. Of course he does.
1: Well, here's one, mate. This is why this team is so unique. Who is, you've done a bit of research for this programme, right? Mm. Who's Ed Hughes?
0: Who's Ed Hughes?
1: Who is Ed Hughes?
0: I don't know who Ed Hughes
1: is. Go on. We'll see if Simon knows without looking at the... Nod or shake your head for... who Do you know who's... No? Oh, hello. So I'm... And Simon knows everything about the yeah, NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty Ed intense. Hughes, yeah. in the 1985 Super Bowl season, was Chicago Bears offensive coordinator. And nobody even knows who he is. There you go. And he'd been a head coach. He coached... He was head coach at Houston. G- gets the offensive job at uh, Chicago. They won a Super Bowl. They're one of the greatest teams of all time. No one even knows who he is no, they didn't <laughs> because carry that three defense coaches. was so amazing, Yeah. and that head coach was so such a character and, and such a good head coach. Wow, he's the forgotten man.
0: They didn't carry three coaches off the field at the end of the Super Bowl, did they? Exactly. <laughs> Checking, Ed Hughes <laughs> is stood. He's Ed waiting. Hughes is. He's looking around him, thinking, "Come on, then, lads, <laughs> <laughs> here we go." He's just what? jumping up. <laughs> <laughs> he stood next to the walk cooler, waiting for it to be <laughs> poured over his head. Oh, come on, guys! I'd hate to get soaking wet. Oh God. <laughs>
1: Tipping the trade over himself.
0: Oh, it's a sad (laughs) sight. No one wants to see it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Poor old Ed Hughes, eh?
0: Poor old Ed Hughes. What is amazing about this team is that we're talking about, you know, the 85 Bears, the year they won the Super Bowl, and we still haven't really got into Walter Payton. And, like, I think that's that's one of the fascinating things about this season is Mm. we're dealing with, you know, one of, if not the greatest, running back of all time, and you know he he's kind of part of the scene rather than the scene. When when they talk about the legacy of that team, that's incredible, really. But I think I think it's to do with the big personalities around him as well, because you know he was the absolute backbone of that team. You look
1: at well, and it, and he'd been there for ten years, and and, and that seventies going into the eighties when when Peyton was playing was a real golden era for running backs. So, you know, I could list you, people like Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, John Riggins. I mean, they were marquee players, running backs then. Eric Dickerson, we mentioned earlier. um, OJ Simpson back in the day. It was a real running back era. Yeah, And he stood out as, for my money, the best running back that I ever saw play football was Walter Payton. Yeah. I think he had a good sense of humour. There's that bit when it, when Dicker talks about that it was Peyton was winding him up with these phone calls, but he was quite a quiet man, very well thought of off the field. Yeah, did a lot of work in the community. But what a player! I mean, what? what I mean, tough. I I remember as a kid playing rugby, and you're always looking for um, training tips and stuff, and just reading about his training schedules. He used to do off season. And no one would train with him. It was just too brutal. He, he used to run up he used to do a shuttle runs up a hill near the his hill, house. Yeah, the hill, yeah,
0: the hill. Which was, was so
1: steep you had to put your studs on. You had to wear what they call cleats. You couldn't run up it and train it. And he'd do that for hours.
0: Hours and hours up and down the hill. And he had
1: traps like you know, like there was when he took the pads off. I remember watching him on Question of Sport, like in the in the eighties. And they brought him over around the sort of time of the American Bowl, I suppose. And he'd retired then. And he, and I can just see him now in this sweater, like a like a crew neck sweater. And bloody shoulders on him, <laughs> I think he was so he was super yeah. strong, super tough. His endurance was incredible. I think he missed. They said in a game in a career that lasted like,
0: yeah, God, it was th- one game in thirteen years. He missed
1: one it. game in thirteen. Years, yeah. When he's your go-to back, yeah, a lot of the time he's he's a single back. He's yeah. getting hammered, and and that bears him apart from that spell in the eighties, in the seventies, they were. Pretty crap, the bit. He's getting hammered all the time, and yeah. still get hundred yard games and hundred fifty yard games.
0: But his, his, uh, and like you, that's the thing is like you describe the strength of him, and like, but when you watch him, it's beautiful. <laughs> like you know, like yeah. you know, like they called him sweet.
1: You know, sweetness. His nickname. It's like he moves. He just glides. Part of this podcast is, is my is like I'm enjoying turning around to stuff. Right. Yeah. There was a fella who burned brightly for a very short time in the '60s called Gale Sayers. Right, and if you have a chance look at him up on YouTube, uh, he was a Chicago Bear, and the same sort of beautiful, smooth, elusive running style that Peyton had. He's a fantastic player, Gale says. He, he only had a four-year career. He got his, his knee got wrecked, and he had to retire at like twenty-six. It was, it was, you know, really unfortunate what happened to him. But Peyton had that same fluidity that Gale says had, that same speed on the outside, but he could take it to the middle. I mean, he was strong as well. He, you know, if you had a if you had a third and inches, he's your man. You know. And also, when I think about 80s football, when I started watching it, Marcus Allen with the sort of dive into the end zone that became the iconic sort of image. Yeah, Peyton was doing that his whole career as well. Those, those dives over the line into the end zone. Could just do, he could do everything. He got uh, on an option pass. He had a good throw. He threw for a few touchdowns. He threw to Jim McMahon for touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I so, love that. Yeah that's, yeah, that's amazing.
1: He was a f- absolutely, the, w- I mean, for the me, the best player. running back who ever played football, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think even Emmett Smith, who's got the, you know, like, is the all-time leading rusher, said, they asked him and he said, it's it's always Walter Payton. Like, Walter Payton. Yeah, he said he's the best. Well, the best. I, I know. The only bittersweet point of this season, perhaps, well, Buddy Ryan and Ditka, obviously, you know, having to go their separate ways and, uh, and not being able to function again and only lasting for one season. But the other mm. slightly bittersweet thing is that when they did get, they got to the Super Bowl and... You know, Peyton fumbled early on in the Super Bowl mm. and was kind of mis- misfired in that game and didn't score. And, you know, there was um, there was a moment towards the end where there was, I think, a third and in inches or whatever, and and they gave it to the fridge to mm. get a touchdown. And Peyton, like, apparently after the game, he, w- he didn't celebrate and he went and locked himself in a broom cupboard and, re- like, refused to come out and he was going to storm off. And that he just won the Super Bowl, you know, like this. This was like the the feather in his cap of an incredible career, and and yet he was absolutely gutted, and it, it, you know his agent had to come and talk him out of out of it, and said like you know come and do the interviews, and you can see in the interviews that he's still his head's not right really because he wasn't given the chance. And Ditka says you know for someone who's a well, proud yeah. proud man who, who wouldn't really want to admit that he's wrong, you can see Dick you know Ditka admits that that was one thing that he he didn't even think about. Yeah, and, you know, and right, you know, he said he was thinking about winning the game, but you know, when you think when he's giving it to the fridge to score, uh, and it could have been pace, I think that's that's
1: that was his one
0: regret, and it's it's well, just, it's sad that that's there, you know.
1: Yeah, well, you mentioned that, and I was going I was going to say the same thing. It was something that's very endearing about Dicker, as well as the fact that um, you know he was this tough, uncompromising coach, but but he, he liked to have fun with the team. He's honest, right? He's he's an honest bloke. And it would have been this simple thing for him to say there, well, there's no regrets. We won the game 46-10, we won a Super Bowl. And he said, that is my biggest regret in football. He said, if I'd, and then he's very honest. He said, if I'd have known what it meant to Walter, of course I'd have given that ball to him eight times in a row. Yeah. Of course I would have. You know, I loved Walter. And he just didn't think. I mean, and yeah, that. Because for years I thought that was a real bad trick. I, I thought they must have fallen out or it was an ego thing or I didn't know what it was. But why he didn't give why they gave the ball to William Perry there not Peyton was was beyond me I mean bring in Perry to block by all means but to hear Ditka to hear Ditka say it was a mistake I shouldn't have done it yeah, and I regret it, and I wish I hadn't done it but it's there it is but yeah, it's that thing it's a it's a team game but you've got your individuals now and I think he's he put in so much res- he was a one team player who put his body on the line for yeah. sort of fifteen years, yeah. He should have had that touchdown in the Super Bowl. And and they were up by 30 points at the time. It wasn't like it was a close game.
0: It also makes me think, though, about Peyton is that he was like, he was such a perfectionist and he was such like, and and I think perfectionists aren't always happy in victory. Like when Johnny Wilkinson, like when England won the World Cup, you know, the journalist who was in with the England team said, afterwards Mm. on the night, everyone's celebrating. And Johnny was sat quite miserable. And he said, why, you know, why aren't you happy, Johnny? And he said, "I, I didn't play very well today. I could have played well, better. Well, that
1: separates the best from everybody else, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's you, talk, nice. you listen to like Jerry Kramer talking about the Packers team in the 60s under Lombardi. He said there'd be times after a game you'd swore we lost. Like Lombardi would just open up on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because he was a perfectionist. And he said there are other times when we lost a game and thought we were going to get, he didn't say bollocking because it's a very British thing to say. But he said that didn't happen. Because Lombardi was saying proudly today, the, the clock went out on us, you know, we were the better team. But yeah, you're looking for perfection. Oh, I got. While we're talking about that, mate, so, there's the debate, are they the best team that have ever played in the NFL? Yeah. Um, and you look at the, the stats, score-wise, are, are phenomenal. But the fact is, they lost a the game. And, which made it, again, it's, it's the it's the gods of sport again, isn't it? We said last week about, you know, in, with that Miami team, tr- tr- going for the field goal to try and make it 17-0 and, and 17-0 didn't work, right? So then they're going for a perfect season. They rock him in week 13 against number 13. The Dolphins, the who've Dolphins. got the perfect season record, with Larry Zonker on the sideline They've watching it. <laughs> That's amazing. I thought, oh, come on. <laughs> and they Zonker. absolutely twatted the Bears as well. Yeah, People forget that. I mean, it wasn't even close. They were saying, so the six games previous to that, in the six games before that game, the Bears gave up a total of 29 points. That's under five points a game, right? Unheard of. In that game, by time, the Dolphins just scored 31 points incredible it was it was incredible and there, and uh,
0: there there is a theory that that game like you, we talk about the 46 defense being like a one season thing
1: yeah
0: and that there is like one of the theories is that that Dan Marino in that game showed people how to play the 46 defense and like it was like they set up and Marie, Dan Marino like played it you know rolled out early got the quick release and that kind of meant there was a blueprint then for the next season where people knew how to play the 46 defense from that one well, Dan, game
1: Dan Marino, we mentioned it briefly last part. He's easily the best quarterback to not win a Super Bowl in the modern era. Yeah, he just dismantled him quick like you said, quick release, strong arm. Big six foot four, six foot five quarterback that could, you know, see over defenses and stuff. But yeah, it was weird. I mean but it also what it did with the with the Bears, and it happened with the Patriots when they were going for the perfect season a while back, was it the Patriots? I think sometimes you need towards the end of a season you need that kick up the ass, yeah, to not get complacent going to the playoffs. You know, because you you look at the playoffs, like I said, we mentioned at the top there, to go back to back and not concede a point in the playoffs. Oh, it's insane! It's unheard of.
0: Insane!
1: You're not just playing a regular season game; you're playing the other the other best teams in your conference, who are there by you know by right, and to not give up a single point. It must go back to that. I imagine they had a, a ball kicking after the uh, after the Miami game.
0: We should talk about the Super Bowl Shuffle, which is the uh, oh, dear like dear. the Chicago Bears rap song. Uh, they recorded that in December, right? Mm. So they the postseason hadn't even started yet.
1: The Kaholus did it.
0: They recorded that. Uh, I think it was the two days after the Miami defeat. So they'd, Can they'd you already, imagine they'd if already they got, got it beaten? Booked in. They'd already got it fucked in to record. And uh, oh. it was two days after the Miami defeat. So they must have been twitching a little bit recording that. Think, hang on. You'd, you'd have
1: to know when you're doing that, if we lose every role game, this is on the Jumbotron forever. Yeah, imagine. Isn't it? Forever.
0: But yeah, did
1: you did you own the Super
0: Bowl shuffle, Mike? Did you go and buy it from Walworth? I didn't.
1: I didn't because, um, I mean, M&M aside, <laughs> white men shouldn't rap. It's, it's, it's a simple. It's that. Some,
0: uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of the team can pull it off the Super Bowl Shuffle, but the three—I mean, like there are three of the whitest <laughs> examples of rapping <laughs> you have ever heard in your life. Like Jim McMahon, uh, Steve Fuller, and Gary Fensik. Gary Fensik's bit of the Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl Shuffle. It's
1: Gary here, and I'm Mr. Clean. They call me Hitman. Don't know what they mean. They throw it long and watch me run. I'm on my man. Buddies, guys, cover it down to the
0: bone. That's why they call us 46 Zone. Come on, everybody. It's Gary here. That's there's three words you should <laughs> never hear in a rap song. It's Gary yeah. here. <laughs> All right, Gary. <laughs> that
1: should be the comeback. All right, Gary.
0: All right, Gary.
1: <laughs> How's the rapping going?
0: <laughs> but did you know, uh, uh, the two things that really made me laugh about the Super Bowl Shuffle is uh, it was nominated for a Grammy.
1: Oh, Christ. So, like, Talk, you know talking I mean, about a dark time for music. I
0: think like it's like, well, you know, but like
1: it was pops, in the charts over here. I remember that on top yeah, of the pops, mate.
0: Like it charted in the top ten in the UK. Oh my god, that's incredible! Um, and the other thing that I was I was really fascinated by watching it was like when the sax solo comes in, and it was like um, it was Calvin Thomas. It was one of the players. I was like, oh my god, is, is he it, playing it? Like, though? yeah, I was like, is he really playing that? So like, I wikipedia did it, and it, it, it is his. It is his saxophone playing? But the, the slightly tragic nature of it. On in Wikipedia, Calvin Thomas's entry says, "Bear in mind, this is a you know running back, football one of the best NFL teams in history." It says he's best known as the saxophone player in the Super Bowl <laughs> Shuffle. <laughs> best known? <laughs> Are you Calvin Thomas, saxophone player?
1: <laughs> what a patent of uh, the Super Bowl Shuffle <laughs> and Chicago Bears. <laughs> What does William Refrigerator Perry think of the
0: Pontiac Parisienne? I like the headroom. A car big enough to carry six linebackers. That's one more than I can. The Bears won, so you can too. At your Chicagoland's and Northwestern Indiana Pontiac dealers, buy a new Parisienne, get air conditioning at no extra charge. Plus get $720 cash back. The Pontiac Parisienne, the car the refrigerator likes because it's like the refrigerator. Yeah, you open the door, the light goes on. We should definitely finish talking about this team with The Fridge. Because, I mean, well, he's the guy who gets the last verse of the Super Bowl shuffle. And Mm. he was like, I mean, he was the breakout story of this season. So, uh, you know, huge rookie, out of shape, you know. Well, you know, like just a player who, you know,
1: is kind of just...
0: Like the size of the guy, force of nature, like what three hundred and twenty pounds
1: oh, at least they say that as well, yeah. but i mean i've I've been two hundred and eighty pounds, and he's a lot more than forty pounds heavier than me <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and like he couldn't get into buddy ryan's defense, like he didn't break into the defense no. you know at all, and like I think that, that well Ryan thought he
1: was a wasted pick,
0: he thought it was a he was a bust because he was so out of shape, and then I think Dick has started using him in like you said like in the offence in the backfield and yeah. he just became there's a certain degree of novelty about about him that I didn't I never quite realized until I revisited this season where you know when he's first introduced all the commentators find it absolutely hilarious it's kind Ooh. of like and you know I think one of those things that is great about this season about this team is like you know, the amount of times you hear the word fun being used, like football is fun in Chicago. You can tell the defense are having this incredible fun. The, you know, the offense is full of like occasionally like really wacky plays. The, you know, the way Jim McMahon's playing, you know, he's always calling all the what? balls and running bootlegs. William Perry's part of that. You know, Ditka uses him yeah. in a really fun way. You know, like and says, like, he's this huge guy. We're going to put him into our backfield and look what's going to happen.
1: And what's nice about the way that football is compared to other sports is the offensive players like McMahon saying, because when your defence is on in in American football, your offence is off. So McMahon said, I was just a fan of our defence. I used to love watching our defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dick has said the same thing. So it's not like in in football, you can't, once you've lost the ball, you don't run over onto the touchline. And watch. And and watch Yap Stammer go, he's good, isn't he? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because you've got to be on there, right? But McMahon and the boys are watching the defence thinking, and there's a lot of times where defence and offence, there's animosity in a, in a team. And there's there's, there's hassle in the locker room. and um, But that seemed to be a team, with the exception of the Miami game, and that was more about Ryan and, and Dicker than, than the, the boys playing, where they just enjoyed watching each other. Yeah, Like Otis Wilson talks about loving watching McMahon and Peyton play, and then McMahon said, I used to love watching Richard Dent and Mike Singletary play. I,
0: can't, I tell you what I kind of like about that defense is that they they don't need a cool nickname. Like, obviously, you've got, like, you think about, like, the Steel Curtain or the Grit oh, Splits. So all day long. Or the Doomsday Defense. And the it's Purple like, People Eaters. Yeah, yeah, the, the Purple People There you go, yeah. Legion of Boom. And it's like, but these guys are just the 85 Bears. It's like, yeah. that's, they're the 85
1: Bears. You that's know? That's all they need to be, isn't it's it? It's like, it's, it's, it's class. Watching those clips back, it was amazing to see how many times, A, I recognized a player straight away and I knew his name that, I, that I'd almost forgotten about every time I saw the shirt I knew what the first name was so if, you, if you're my age you're like the football so there was Willie Galt there was uh, Walter Payton Jim McMahon Mike Singletary Matt Sui Jimbo Covert uh, Dave Dewison, Richard Dent Wilbur uh, Marshall Otis Wilson just those names just stuck in your mind from that from that era and, and, I, and I can't think of another team from that, from that time maybe the 49ers where I could probably name as many players as I as I can with that with that Bears team.
0: Well the leg the legacy of that Bears team. I mean, you know, I mean ob- obviously in Chicago, like you look at that town and how hmm. how much it loves its sport and you know, those guys are gods in that. <laughs> like it's it's an incredible existence for them now.
1: I watched another documentary, a short doc. Yeah, where Otis Wilson is there, the, the and this was 30 years ago now part of that brilliant defense. And he genuinely says, he, he can't go anywhere in Chicago no. and pay for a drink or pay for a meal. Yeah, I mean, the 1985 Bears are still the kings of Chicago. Any 1985 Bear can go anywhere. I guarantee you, he will not buy a drink. He will not buy a dinner for himself. And they earned it. I mean, they won the championship.
0: Even today, the guy was telling me, man, I was um, 13 when, when you
1: guys was winning, and we I just had that was the best time of my life. You know, I said, what well, was the best time of my life, too. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely worship still, and 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 the, you know that was eighty five.
0: Yeah. There's an amazing clip online interview with Gary Fensick talking about kind of like struggling, struggling to cope with life after living, you know, to reaching that kind of peak, and um, he said he was he was out shopping one day and he saw this kid kind of see him. He comes up and he kind of thought, oh here we go, you know he's a, he's obviously a fan, and this kid says to him didn't you used to be Gary Fensick who played for oh. the Chicago Bears? And he said that, he said that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, I, yeah, in many ways, that's it, really. That is
1: it <laughs> it <laughs> must be so hard yeah. to, to readjust. And and you've got to realise that when you're in those big cities, like Chicago's a big place too, but but they will be known everywhere. It's a sports mad city, Chicago. It's a great place, Chicago. Oh, amazing. My, like I said, my sister lives in Pittsburgh, and it's a similar Very similar demographic in Pittsburgh, where the sort of 70s Steelers are still worshipped all over the city. Yeah. And it's it's football mad. You know, in in that short doc there, one of the fans talks about the fact that he's a Cubs fan, but it's a a two team city for baseball. Yeah, of course. But football is the Bears, and that's it. And it's been the Bears for 100 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the fact that it is the only Super Bowl. That Chicago have won, you kind of think like mm. that, you know. It, it, it's what makes it such an incredible legacy that '85 season. You know, this isn't this isn't something that happens. Well, hasn't happened since. And you, you just
1: wonder. They talk about Buddy Ryan before the Super Bowl, sits down the defense in tears, and says, "I've taken the head job at Philadelphia. I won't be here next season." Yeah. And you just think that must be incredibly emotional at the time. But also, when they when they played out of their skin like that in the Super Bowl, they were doing it for Buddy Ryan as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing.
1: There's a bit there, I know, I know you like your quotes, but Mike Singletary at the end of the uh, America's Game thing, and I love Mike Singletary, just goes, what a year that was. What a year that was. It's like, Jesus, oh, and that one year just frozen in time. Yeah, that's it. You got your Super Bowl ring, and there it is. And there's, there you know, is. there's all the games. I've got, I quickly want to just—I've got the American Bowl program from '86, which is the same team essentially. Yeah. And as a, as a mustache wearer, I was amazed at the number of great mustaches on the side <laughs> oh, as well. Oh
0: yeah, okay.
1: If I go through Dave Dewison mustache, Sean Gale of Sky Sports fame mustache, Matsui mustache, Mike Richardson mustache. Walter Payton, moustache. Mike Singletary, moustache. Otis Wilson, moustache. Wilbur Marshall, moustache. William Perry, moustache. Jimbo Covert, moustache. Willie Galt, moustache. Emery Moorhead, moustache. And Tyrone Keys moustache. Oh, that's a lot of moustaches.
0: So what you're saying is, okay, so maybe it was the defence. Maybe it was kind of like the amazing mix of characters. Mike Ditka, moustache. Maybe it was the two brilliant coaches. Or maybe it was to do with the sheer volume of moustaches. <laughs> in the squad that make this one of the oh, I'm not a scientist,
1: world. but I'm just putting it up there. There's a clip at the end where Singletary says he didn't know who to lift up. He, so he didn't lift up either coach because he loved Ditka and he loved Buddy Ryan. And through what, whatever they've been through together and what, whatever was said in locker rooms, they'd won the dance, right? They're at the dance, they've won, they've won the whole thing. And they're being shouldered off. And there's one clip where they're side by side there. And the commentator said um, they were carried off separately but both walk side-by-side side in history. I was like, oh, please. That's it. That is Isn't it? it? Yeah. There it is. And they couldn't live with each other, couldn't live without each other. I do like my NFL. <laughs> what a year that was. What a year yeah. that was. Oh, God, I love you. <laughs>
0: A diehard cub fan and I got that dream a few years ago and it was special. But you know, that's a city divided in baseball. With football here, it's everyone agrees on the Bears and there would be nothing better. I couldn't I couldn't imagine what the parade would be like, how many fans would show up for that thing. It, for me it would just be a dream come true.